Tiki Hut Media. Pop the top on your favorite beer or whatever you drink from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hey there, I'm Jerry, got my beer popped open and ready for another episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast and we are in Advent. We're in week three of Advent, getting ever so closer to Christmas Day. And today we'll be talking about stronger stuff that's coming up here in the next few minutes. I do want to take a moment and thank all of you who have subscribed over on Substack and and support Soul Ramblings Podcast. I mean, seriously, nobody, me included, wants to get more email. I appreciate the privilege of you inviting me into your inbox each and every week, and I hope your headspace too. As a free subscriber, it's absolutely free. You get updates in your inbox, including blog posts that I write, devotionals. I write a Sunday ramblings devotional every week on Sunday mornings. You'll also get alerts when a new episode of the pod drops, and you can listen to it right in your inbox. So Ramblings Podcast is supported by generous readers and listeners like you. There are no grants, no ads, no backers, no list selling, none of that. And I know during these economic times, I get it. Beth and I are feeling it right now, just like everybody else. Paying for every podcast that you subscribe to and that you love, it's just not in the cards for everybody. And I certainly can't afford to pay for everyone that I love. However, if you can afford it, would you please consider a paid subscription over on Substack to help us keep going? I would really appreciate it. It's only $5 a month, or if you're so inclined, you can subscribe for a year for $50. If you cannot afford it, there is no explanation required, no worries. I want you to continue to read, listen, and engage for free. Whether you're a paid subscriber or a free subscriber, you have access to all the same content. It's just a way of supporting us if you can do so financially. If you can't, that's quite all right. That's okay. No judgment. You can always see everything at soulramblingspodcast.substack.com. Got a link in the show notes. Remember, everything here is meant to be shared. So please feel free to do so right now from either your email or the website, and be sure to tell a friend about Soul Ramblings. Either way, subscribe for free or a paid subscription. Grab a beer. Come on in. Everybody's welcome. And I want to thank you for being here. In this third week of Advent, this coming Sunday is week three, begins week three of Advent for 2023. As we begin a new church year during the season of Advent, we're looking at the first chapter of John, selected verses there. And as we read through John chapter one, we see that John really wasn't hurting anybody. He was just out there in the wilderness preaching, baptizing, and then this posse of Pharisees rides up. They look at him. They look him up and down, very suspicious. And he's got this camel hair tunic, wide leather belt, locusts and wild honey still left on his dinner plate. One of them actually spit on the ground and asked, who do you think you are anyway? Well, he laughed, I'm not the Messiah, if that's what you're thinking. So 
Who are you then? They sneered. Elijah? Nope. The prophet? Uh-uh. Well, who are you then? Give us some kind of answer. Okay. Can you tell your friends that I'm the one Isaiah was talking about? The voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. But why are you baptizing then if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? Look, fellas, John said, he seems to be running out of patience here. I baptize with water. And maybe it was just the mood I was in when I read it. But the way I imagine John saying those words made water sound like the weakest, flattest, most tasteless stuff on the face of the earth. Water, he said. It seems to be spraying the word out of his mouth like he had just asked for a shot of whiskey and ended up getting a glass of lukewarm tap water instead. It made me think that for all its wonderful properties, water is pretty weak stuff. I've heard people say, I feel weak as water. We talk about watering down those things that are too strong. All in all, it's a word whose very name means weakness. The way John says it in this passage reveals its inability to offer any real help or to do any real damage. I baptize with water, he says to those who are asking. What are you worried about? I baptize with water. I remember when I was a kid, I I had a copy, or I think it was my mother's. She had picked up a copy of, you remember those old green living Bibles? Yeah. I remember grabbing that Bible and, and reading it because it just, it spoke in plain language. And when I was a kid, that was so nice because at the time, about the only thing you heard in church was the good old King Jimmy version. And I remember reading in the Gospel of Matthew, hadn't gotten far when I paused to underline a verse, verse 21, in bright blue ink, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, what could I have known about sin at such an age? I was such a young fellow. And yet, as I remember that Bible and remember the verses that I had memorized and and read over and over again, By the time I made it to the book of Romans, there were verses that I just absolutely fell in love with, like Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners, and should we keep on sinning when we don't have to, and don't let sin control your puny body any longer. I remember at the time I was a long way from what I thought a good Christian should be, sometimes I still am. And near the end of Romans 7, I I find myself with the perfect description of my condition. Listen to the way the Living Bible puts the end of Romans 7. I couldn't have written it any better myself. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I'm doing what I don't want to, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Wow, 
But on, on the page just before that one, Paul had said, sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized. He said that in baptism, the old sin-loving nature was buried with Christ. And on the strength of those passages, I made plans to get myself baptized. Had no idea what I was doing. I got dunked in a Baptist church in Jackson, Tennessee, when I was seven or eight years old. And according to Paul, really that should do it, if you just read it at face value. One good dunk, and the old person's dead, the sinful self would be buried, and a whole new creation would come up out of the water. At least that's what I was hoping for, but damn, I was I was really counting on it. I remember getting out of the water, out of the tank, and trying to get some sense of what was different about me. Was there a halo over my head now? Some kind of holy aura about me now? The people who held out towels to me and welcomed me into their arms were smiling, but their faces didn't really show any surprise of any sort. If I was different, I must not look that way. And on the way home, Someone asked me if I felt different, and I surprised myself by saying, no, not really. The real surprise came later when I discovered that in spite of my recent baptism, I was still capable of sin. I thought, they didn't hold me down long enough. That old sin-loving nature hadn't been buried. It's still alive and kicking. In fact, my old sinful self seemed more alive than ever after baptism. Or maybe I was only more aware of it. Who knows? So I did what most post-baptismal sinners do. I tried harder than ever to put an end to my sinful ways. If water wouldn't do it, maybe willpower would. But you know as well as I do that willpower can be even weaker than water. Suppose your sin is one of those real bad ones, like drinking too much. And suppose you have really tried to stop. If so, then you know what it's like to try to resist the temptation and fail. And then grit your teeth and try again and fail. And then buckle down and try even more. Try once more and fail. Do you see what I mean? You try and you fail and you try and you fail and you try and you fail until soon. You don't even want to try anymore. So what's the use? And that's when you move into the next stage of sin management, if you will. If you can't control the behavior you think, then maybe you can control the result. And the result of sin is guilt. So you try to ease the guilt. You try to convince yourself that your sin is really not that bad. Hey, it's not like I'm hurting anyone. I'm not a murderer or a rapist or a thief. I just drank a little more than I should. Okay, a lot more than I should. So sue me. You try to justify your behavior to make it right so that you don't have to feel guilty about it anymore. Drinking relaxes me, you say. It helps me lose some of my inhibitions, allows me to express myself more freely, to be more fully myself. It's an anti-inhibiting agent, if you will, more like medicine than anything else. If you're successful in these attempts, you don't get over the sin, but you do get over the guilt, and that's where a lot of us are. Yes, we sin, but since there isn't anything we can do about it, we'll just have to make the best of it. And speaking of grabbing a drink, I think I'll have myself another frosty cold beer. The problem with getting over guilt is that 
It's like getting over pain. We think it would be nice to get over pain, but the next time we put our hand down on a hot stove, we'll be glad for those sensitive nerve endings that tell us to pull our hand away quickly so we don't do any real damage. The problem with getting over guilt is that we deaden our sense of sin, and we don't know when to pull away, and we really do some damage. A little too much drinking is one thing, but suppose you lose your sense of sin altogether and start drinking as much as you can, as often as you can, because you no longer feel guilty about it. And what if a little too much to drink becomes a lot too much to drink and you become an alcoholic who is no longer capable of holding his job or keeping his marriage together? Suppose you lose the house and the kids and the car and you find yourself doing whatever you can to buy your next bottle of cheap booze. And then when some well-meaning Christian offers you a cold cup of water in Jesus' name, you slap it out of her hand and say, don't give me that. I need some stronger stuff. Well, of course you do. We all do. And that's just what John the Baptist was preaching. If those people who had been baptized by him in the Jordan came back later to demand a refund to complain that his baptism hadn't been particularly effective, that they seemed to be just as capable of sin as before, if not more so, I think he would have said to them what he said to those who were sent from the Pharisees, I baptize with water. What did you think? That a little bath in the river was going to make you a new person? Well, yes, they would say, stumbling over their words. Actually, we did. No, John would answer. Water won't do anything but get you wet. It's going to take stronger stuff to make a new person out of you. But I've got good news. There's somebody coming after me who's got what it takes. And that's where Paul takes up the refrain here. Although he had promised in chapter 6 of Romans that becoming a Christian and being baptized will kill the power of sin within you, he admits in chapter 7 that baptism hasn't done all he hoped it would and that he still struggles. It seems to be a fact of life, he says, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that's at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Wretched man that I am, he wails, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers his own question. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Or as the Living Bible puts it, it has been done. In Matthew's version of this story, also in Luke's, John the Baptist says that the one to come will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire to purge the sin of your life, to burn away the dross. Holy Spirit to fill the empty spaces inside you, to overflow you with grace. In the end, John would say, it's not the water that's going to do it for you, but the one who is to come. Behold the Lamb of God, he says, who takes away the sin of the world. In this season of Advent, we wait for the one as if our lives depended on it, because our lives depend on him. We stand on our tiptoes, we crane our necks, we try to catch a glimpse of his coming over the heads of the crowd in front of us. We watch and we wait, not with fear, but with great joy, breaking loose in our hearts like some burst dam of emotion, flooding our senses and making us giddy with anticipation. We believe as fervently as we ever have believed anything, that if there is anything that can do us any good, anyone who can give us what we need, 
It is the one who comes. Coming up next week, it's Advent 4. Yeah, and then Christmas Day. <laughs> it's coming on us. And so we'll have our final week of Advent Thoughts on Soul Ramblings podcast next week on next week's episode. Be sure to engage with us and get social with us. As I told you before, you can go to our Substack page. We also have Instagram and Facebook pages you can follow us on and communicate and engage with us on. Links to those are in the show notes of this episode. As always, you can do the old-fashioned drop us an email, soulramblingspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, and we also have a couple of music playlists over on Spotify. One is a just a regular playlist that we've put together and also have a Christmas playlist that I invite you to go over there and listen to as well. And you can follow those or or like those and just keep those. And you can let us know what you would like to hear on those playlists, what you would add. I'd love to hear your suggestions. And wherever you're listening to us today, if you're listening on Spotify or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you could be listening on Amazon Music or Audible, iTunes. You could be listening on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, so many places to listen to Soul Ramblings podcast. Wherever you're listening today, would you let us know where you listen? And also click subscribe. That way you never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings podcast. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. So many podcasts out there that you could be listening to and you chose to spend your time listening to us today. Thank you so much. And as we wrap up today, as we do with every episode, we hear the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians 4, 8 today from the Common English Bible. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. That'll wrap up today's episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. We'll see you next week. I hope today's episode has been beneficial for you. You've got a blessing out of it. I'm Jerry Wicker. Thank you for being here. Grace, peace, cheers. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.